right. Y'all want to go on a journey tonight? Let's go somewhere. Actually, we're going on a specific journey tonight. It's the journey to fearless. The journey to fearless. Um, fear is, I'll say conservatively, among the most malignant effects of the fall of man. Um, And that's conservatively. Fear is actually an initial response to the fall. When man ate of the forbidden fruit in an act of pride, and and the reason for it, the true attraction there was not the way it tasted or, or, or looked. Those were, those were side dishes. When he said, if you eat this fruit, you'll become like God and be able to determine uh, good and evil for yourself. That was the draw. Immediately after they ate the fruit and the fall occurred, fear was the immediate response. Fear is right there. And from that moment, once man fell, he began to behave and respond to fear. Fear is the plan of the devil for your life. It is the way, it's the way that he brings things in and takes things out. Fear is a cruel, cruel, cruel counselor. And fear will counsel your decisions and draw you into doors and gateways and things that don't belong to you. Things that you never should have had to face. Listening to the counsel of fear. Fear is a cruel counselor. He, I'm going to put a personal pronoun on this. He is a cruel counselor and has intention and volition and plan for your life. Fear is in control. When you dread and or procrastinate critical matters that desperately need an outcome that you must yet cannot seem to produce. Let me read that again. Fear is in control when you dread and or procrastinate critical matters that desperately need an outcome that you must yet cannot seem to be able to produce. Everybody has those things in their lives When you think about that thing right there, it's like the the only help for you is just to go somewhere else. You think about something and suddenly a pain hits you and you don't, you know you can't deal with that. And it's your inability to grasp it and deal with it and handle it with your current manifest set of skills. And so that fear of that thing will drive you to a different space because I, I can't afford to think about that right now. I can't afford to deal with that right now. I don't have what it takes to handle that. And that dread and that procrastination and that delay of that event or that decision to be made keeps you trapped in this small box. Fear is in control when you feel like you have no choice. The things in your life that are telling you you have no choice, you see the choice that you're making right now. Or the condition that things are in is not optimal or ideal or just downright bad. But I don't have a choice. That's the counsel of fear. Fear is telling you how to live. And telling you that that's the best way to live. That it's the safest way of live, to live. Fear wants to tell you that something's about to happen just on the other side of fear that you can't afford to step out into. So now. Initially, fear 
uses predictions to stop you. Tells you how it's going to turn out. Tells you how it has turned out in times past. Tells you how it turns out for people like you. Fear is a cruel prophet. Listen, why do I keep assigning a personal pronoun and volition to fear? Because fear is a spirit. It's not some ethereal force in life that you walk in and out of depending on the situation and and that we all just have to deal with this. It's just a part of life. Fear is a spirit, a deliberating, choosing, deciding, planning spirit assigned to your life to make sure you don't get where God is trying to get you to go. So initially, fear uses its predictions to stop you. But the ultimate goal is to simply use its sensations to stop you. You don't even have to think about it. All you have to do is see a certain face. All you have to hear is, it could be a certain ringtone on your phone. All you got to know is a certain time of week is coming back around, and it'll hit you with that pain. Fear governs by pain, and that pain will be enough to send you in the opposite direction. The The problem there is, now your power is divested from the situation, and it can never change. Fear will remain in control as long as it's not overcome. If fear is present, fear is in control. So, the ultimate goal of fear is not to scare you. It's to control you. It's not, it's not the terror that fear is after. It's not just to get you shaking in your boots and not feeling good about something. That ain't the point at all. Fear, the spirit of fear, wants to govern your actions and tell you what to and what not to do. It wants you to discard your power when you need it the most. And it is available, but fear blinds you to the fact that it's there. And we make excuses and rationalizations and do things to make ourselves feel better about doing something that we know we need to do. I'm, I'm going to get to the praise of the Lord part in a little while, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm to, to diagnose this problem. You have to see fear as a spirit. You have to see spirit, fear as, as, as an entity, as a personality, as, 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 a, as a choosing, deciding being that wants to get you somewhere that you don't belong. Because if you don't see fear as a spirit, then you accept it as an inevitable norm and you accept it as a part of a, your life and build your life around its attacks on you. You'll find yourself building your life around your fears. Fear will tell you to go there and don't you ever go there. Say that, but don't, don't you pick up that phone and have that conversation. You know something needs to change, but you better not pick up the phone right there. And it'll have you building your life and dodging all your life long around its attacks. We spend our lives avoiding the pain of fear. Spend life avoiding the pain that fear inflicts and celebrate that as a victory. A good day is a day that I successfully avoided the pain of fear. Who wants to live like that? What creation of God deserves to live like that? That's not victory. That doesn't belong to you. God's got something different for you tonight. We're on the journey to fearless. Uh, let's, let's, let's get on the journey. Let's get on the journey. So, what does fear look like? Let me read my text. How about that? 
Psalms 56, starting at verse 1, actually starting before verse 1. Actually, the inscription above this in many translations is considered verse 1 because it too is what David wrote. Is it up there? Um, if you don't have the inscription, I'll read it and you can, we can just start at 1. To the chief musician set to, this is the, the melody was set to, the silent dove in distant lands, a victim of David when the Philistines captured him. Be merciful to me, O God. For man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day. Sound like fear. For there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do unto me? All day they twist my words, and all their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together, they hide, they mark my steps. And when they lie in wait for my life, shall they they escape by iniquity? In anger, God, cast down the peoples, O God. You number my wanderings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So now, what does fear look like? Well, it depends on who's afraid and the situation they're in. And some people say, I ain't scared of nothing. No, you just respond to fear differently than the person next to you. There's three basic responses or categories of responses um, to, to fear. One is freeze. One is flight, one is fight. When you're afraid as a human being, as a part of the the animal kingdom, freeze when something scares you, flee or run when something scares you, or fight when something scares you. If I'm walking down the street and a big, give me a, 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 a bull mastiff is charging and jumps a fence, and it's coming straight toward me, snarling and growling. I'm going to do one of three things. Either freeze, stand still. Why would I freeze? Again, in the animal kingdom, if you're in the, in the jungle and, and the lion's there, one of the first things uh, 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 the prey will do is stand still in hope that they can somehow blend into the background and that animal won't see them. Or it could be that the situation where, say, that dog is coming at me. Maybe if I stand still enough... I won't seem like he, I'm a threat to him and he'll consider me docile and just go around me or go back home. I remember when I was, <clears throat> and I was raised in Jackson, Michigan, and uh, we used to go on these church picnics. You know, Sunday school would have these church picnics. And uh, we had this, this, this situation where we, and I was an older teenager, we played hide and seek as almost grown folks. <clears throat> and so we went into the woods and uh, 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 they were, had teams of people looking for the people that were hiding. And so I was trying, I found a good hiding spot, but it took too long to find it. And I could see the people that were looking for me coming right down the path. And they were as close to me as I am to that wall right there. And I saw my hiding place, but I couldn't move whether they would discover me. So what I did was this. I became a tree. And those people walked straight behind me, almost tripped over my foot that was still in the path and down the other side right there. Because I became like my environment. Freezing is a way that people deal with fear. Say the same dog came out, and uh, I'm not a freezer. I'm a fleer. 
and the dog comes after me charging, my next response to fear could be that I run. He's got four legs. I've got two. We'll see how that plays out. Hopefully to your advantage. I ran from a lot of dogs when I was growing up. We live in the neighborhood. We have this lady that taking every orphan dog that she could find, never checking their temperament or how they dealt with kids. I ran over, jumped over fences, ran down, ran up the side of buildings. I did everything to get away from dogs while I was growing up. Fleeing. That might not work. It might sometimes. Fight. So say I see the same dog coming out, charging over the fence, running at me, and I decide I, what I'm going to do is uh, try to scare him off. I'm going to be a bigger dog. Right? <gasps> and I just charge at him. Might work and it might not. What's the issue here? What's the point? The person that is the fighter might look at the person that's the freezer and call them a coward. Or the person that's the fleer might look at the fighter and call him an idiot. The thing is, none of these is good when it comes to dealing with your life and the things of God because all of them are a response to fear. You don't want to respond to fear. You want to respond to God. Everything we fear, God has an answer for. But if I respond to my fear and I'm a freezer, God might be telling me it's time to move, son. Get up. Just one step away from where you are is everything you need. You can't freeze. Or I might be the fighter and, and, and maybe I run and charge like a bull. God is saying, don't fight this time, my child. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I need you to be anchored on this time. None of these things is good when it comes to the kingdom and your life and God because you don't ever want to respond to fear. It's an emotional response to a spiritual attack, and it never works. You'll never come out to the good like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. How does, how does fear work? Talk a little bit more about what fear looks like. Let's go back to Psalm 56. Uh, look at the fifth and the sixth verse. I don't mean that. got out of 56 okay there it is five it says all day they twist my words all their thoughts are against me for evil they gather together they hide they mark my steps when they lie in wait for my life fear one of the things that makes fear so subtle is a a a tactic it's actually a military tactic called reconnaissance or recon and it's the surveying of, of land and, and contours and things like that to find a situation of advantage. My enemy will likely come down here. And so if I stay right here, he won't see me here. And then I can ambush him from here. Fear does recon on your life. Fear becomes familiar with the way you respond to situations. He researches your actions, your words, your life, your assets, liabilities, strengths, weaknesses, and devises a plan. To make sure that you respond to the fear rather than to what God would have you do in that situation. Make sure that when God wants you to stand still, he triggers something that will make you want to fight instead. Or when God will cause you to fight, he'll trigger something to make you want to run. He has a plan because he's watching. Fear is always watching. The spirit of fear always has a way to figure out because he's been there all your life. 
In fact, the spirit of fear has taught you what to be afraid of. The issue with this is that nothing is off limits. It's not just the bad stuff or the ordinarily scary stuff. The spirit of fear will use your religion, will use your virtues. I'm the kind of person, this is, this, is, this is a voice talking. I'm the kind of person, I'm loyal. I hang on in there with everybody. I'm going, if, if I start with you, we're going all the way to the end, and I'm never going to give up. And, and, and what about the time when that person's assignment is over in your life? And you have a situation going on where you fear offending something you consider to be a virtue. Nothing is off limits, y'all. This thing will use anything good. That's why the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of imaginations, uh, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought, every thought, every thought, the bad thoughts, every thought, even the good thoughts, every thought, bring every thought to the captivity of Christ, and whatever judgment he renders on it, you execute that judgment. Don't be afraid to be different than what you've called yourself. Don't be afraid to be different than the norms that have been set up from this version of you. You're far more unlimited than that. Don't be afraid to shock somebody one day and say something that they're not expecting you to say. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and make the phone call to the person that thought they would never hear from you again because of what happened the last time. No, no. Don't get boxed in. Don't set up your own stronghold against the things of God. Take every one of those thoughts and considerations before him and let him tell you who you are this time. Let him tell you how to handle this situation. You might have done it different every other time in your life, but that's not what time it is right now don't be afraid to be different don't be afraid to be another version of you the holy ghost is unlimited you kidding me paul said i'm willing to be all things to all men that perhaps i might win some of them look we we we, we're gonna get down i'm asking god for a new me this year y'all and 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 he's he's making it happen That's that no choice thing. When, early when I said fear has won when you feel like you have no choice. But this, this is how I do it. You know, this, this, is, this, is, this is how I, I treat the situation. Or, 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 or people won't understand. Or, or I might not fit into this, 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 this slot anymore if I begin to do that. Perhaps God don't want you fitting in that anymore. He might be trying to tear something up. And get you off of a sinking ship. Yeah. The tragedy of fear. This is such such a, a, a lie. The tragedy of fear is that many of the things that we fear, God's not thinking about it the way we are. He's not, he's not, he's not even paying attention to that thing over there that, that's, that's keeping us out of our... You remember in the garden when, um, man, we talked about the fall earlier... Man ate of the fruit, ran out of the garden, and God came to the garden at the, 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 the cool of the day and said, Adam, well, he wasn't in place. Fear will take you out of your place. He said, Adam, where are you? Adam answered back, I hid because I was afraid because I was naked. 
what God said to him? He said, who told you you were naked? Who, who had that conversation? I was never going to bring that up. That's not something I have an issue with. That situation has a proven outcome. Every day, you didn't just get naked. Every day, I've been walking around here. What did I do in your nakedness? I, I ministered to you. I spoke to you. I told you who you were. I provided for you. I gave you opportunities to use what was in you. Name them animals, boy. I, all while you was naked and had this thing that you were scared that you couldn't get any further with, I saw that like it was, and I'm saying, I, that's not my issue. I got bigger things to deal with you than that. Dropped a little stuff, y'all. Some of the things that have us standing still and not moving out into what we need to be moving out into is something that God, he got something else for your life than to be sitting there thinking about that. Don't let your inability shut you down or your perceived inability. Sometimes you don't know what you can do until you get your hands on it. Don't let your inability, your lack of knowledge, your lack of connections, your lack of... See, here's what you do. Here's what you do right here. See, some things... God will be trusted and God will be believed. You can't have a relationship with him any kind of way. You can't expect him to show you the whole plan from plan A, point A to point B. No, you got to walk with him. He don't do it like that. With God... Always go as far as you can see, and when you get there, you'll see further. We, 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 um, um, there's this brother. Am I stepping out of the camera? Am I causing problems? Okay, thank you. We, I, um, I got this brother at a, at a church in Lansing, and um, he's been coming to fellowship with me. But what we've been doing, rather than sitting up in the office, we've been going for a walk, and our church is on Holmes Road. And we just walked the stretch of Holmes Road. And that, and that, uh, lately, we've been doing, walking all the way to Cedar Street, which is two miles away. And he's much taller than him, mine. And his legs are a whole lot longer. And I'm running and he's walking. <laughs> but I know Cedar Street is down there somewhere. But from the church at 2645 West Holmes Road, I can't see Cedar. I can see Pleasant Grove. So what we do every time is we walk to Pleasant Grove, and when I get there, now I can see further. And from Pleasant, I can't quite see Martin Luther King, but I can see that little light there where the post office is. So I walk that far, and now I can see further. And I keep doing that. I sure can't see Cedar Street, but I can see Stabler Street from right here at Washington. So I walk from Washington to Stabler, and now all of a sudden Cedar is coming into view. When God gives you something to do, always go as far as you can see. And when you get there, you will see further. Don't let fear stop you because you can't see it all. Because you don't know it all. Because you can't do it all. Go with what you can do. And when you get there, use the same power that you used to get there to get there. Fear make you make a problem out of something that ain't a problem. It's just not a problem. I told y'all fear is a, is a, is a trip. It's, a, it's a, a cruel counselor. Just create a problem and God's like, why are you even talking about that? That's all. So, what does trust look like? Let's go back to 56. 
I'm going to start at the caption again. To the chief musician, uh, set to the silent dove in distant lands, a meekdom of David, when the Philistines captured him, be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day. And there there'd be many that fight against me. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Let me say this right now. Trust is always the response to fear. Because it's not a response to fear at all. When fear comes at you, you respond to God with your trust. When fear comes after you, respond to God with your trust. Don't even look at what you fear. It's a lie. And it doesn't deserve your glance. When fear comes at you, turn your back on it and turn straight toward God. And God will take care of what's behind you. So. In this, in this subscription here, the, 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 the inscription, the title, it says, when David was captured by the Philistines and Gaz, I think it's first, uh, uh, Samuel 21st verse there. And it's really the only time that David, the Bible openly says that David was afraid. Of course, he had other times afraid. But this connects directly with that context. Um, when David ran uh, from, from, from uh, what's that maniac's name? Saul. Ran from Saul uh, into uh, to the land of the Philistines. So now. They captured him in Gath. When he showed up in their land, they took him. And David immediately realized he had made a grave mistake. He should not have gone there, y'all. He got down there, and what they said, they had him. They said, ain't this the guy that they're singing about, saying Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands? He said, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. Because you know what the thousands that he had slain was? It was Philistine. This is the same guy. That in their faces, when he was a boy, ran up on their champion who had the whole army of Israel cowering away, Goliath, with a rock and killed him with a rock, took his sword out of his sheath, cut his head off, took his head, slinging it around in victory back to the king of Israel. And not only that, when he did that, he released this contagious courage in the armies of Israel. They all came up out of their hiding holes and chased the Philistines back home. Not only that, the place that he came to hide was Goliath's hometown. Not only that, they said, we got to listen to this cut on iTunes all the time. Saul has slain his thousand. And then he's mocking us. He made a big, big mistake going down there. In this situation, freeze won't work because they can see him. <laughs> he can't run. Because they got him bound. He can't fight. It's too many of them. Freeze, fight, or fight will not work. What do you do in a situation like this? He said, whenever I am afraid, I'm going to trust you. I don't know what's about to happen right here, but all I know is it's in your hands. I can't do anything about this. Yes, I made a mistake. Yes, I brought myself down here, and I never should have got here. I never should have took this step, but I don't care whether it's my fault or their fault. Whenever I'm afraid, whenever I'm afraid, I trust in you. If I brought my own fear on myself, whenever I'm afraid. It don't matter how you got there or why you got there. If you're there and fear meets you, trust God from that spot right there. That's the way you bring him into the situation. Trust. So, 
Trust has a little different element to it than does faith. Thank you, Tony. Trust, um, faith is to be persuaded, to be won over, to be persuaded. Trust has the element of total dependence. And it, and it speaks to a closer proximity to the source of dependence. Trust grabs hold and hangs on for dear life and is close to its source and becomes intimate with its source of strength. So, how do we get from trust to fearless? Three times in this text, it says, it mentions trust as the remedy for faith. In the, in the fourth and eleventh verses, it said, um, um, in God I will trust his word and I will not fear, which seems to have arrived at the state of fearlessness because at this point, he said, I'm refusing to fear. But the third verse shows the journey there. It says, whenever I'm afraid, because I do still get afraid, whenever I am afraid, what I will do in response to that is turn toward God in trust. How do you trust? The word trust here actually means confidence. Let's look at this word a little bit differently. Trust means to be confident or to be confident. In order to arrive at the place of confidence, you have to confide. If I'm ever going to trust God, I have to confide in him about what's scaring me. What I'm talking about here... Confidence only comes from confidence. I'm talking about real conversations here, y'all. I'm not talking about lead of faith confessions at home this time. I am the, and I am the, and I'm not the, and I'm behind, and all the lead, all that stuff. I'm not talking about that, that topical stuff. I'm talking about a conversation that is unedited, unabridged. Uh, not, uh, it's straight to the, the, the truth. You're telling it like a T.I. is, like they used to say. You go somewhere. I'm talking about these are things you can't say to any other living human being. Fears that you walked into this room with tonight, you need to have a conversation with God. Get in your car, head down the highway, look in the back seat, make sure your cell phone is off, and start talking to God about stuff you can't say to nobody else. Go out in the middle of a field somewhere, look around, make sure you're in there, and start talking about how to find you one of these hospitals, one of those parking ramps, and go all the way to the top where there's no more ceiling, no more sky. Get up there and get to confiding in God. Tell him what you're afraid of and why you're afraid of it. You don't have to be, listen, you're not up there to be strong. You're up there to confide. When you confide, if you find a friend that you can confide in, you don't get in there holding back. You're not trying to look like you got it all together. You know you don't. That's why you're talking. <sighs> Hiding your true heart's condition from God is not an act of faith. Exposing it is. Expose your true heart's condition to God. That's an act of faith. God delights. You read some of David's psalms. They are not all. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his course with praise. He's like, God, why you for how long you going to forget about me? 
How long are you going to let my enemies, even this one right here, he starts out with, 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 with complaint, with, with, with uh, something that we would never want to sing in church. But what always happened when he confided in God, by the time he got to the end of the psalm, the story was all changed. He said, you know what, it looks like you've been forgetting me, but now that I think about it, you've dealt bountifully with me. You've been really, 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 really good. Just from the conversation, the situation didn't change yet. Simply confiding in God made him know that there was something else that was possible. So, trying to decide where to go here. What time is it? Okay. Yeah. So, who do you who who do you confide in, and, and and why do you confide in them? Three things. One. You confide in somebody because you know that it will always be confidential. If I'm going to come to you with my life and my vulnerabilities, I'm doing that because I know this. I'm confiding because this is going to be confidential. It's, It's between me and you. Why do I do that? Because I have a load on me that's heavier than I can bear. And I want to go to someone else and get them to share the load with me. So I speak what's in my heart. And now I know somebody's up under this load with me. The situation hasn't changed yet. But somebody that I can trust is in it with me. You also confide in someone. This sounds like God, Joe. This all, you also confide in someone. You know they always intend you good. I, l- listen. When you confide in somebody, you want to make sure that when you tell them about your ugliness, you want somebody to look at you in your face and listen, you can't shock me, you can't disappoint me, you can't scare me, you can't run me off, I don't care what you say, you can bring me your best, you can bring me your worst, and I'll love whatever and whoever you bring into me, and I'll cry with you when you're crying, I'll laugh when you when you're laughing, and I'll help you while I fight your tears, and we're going to get up and do something about this together. I got you on this one. Sound like God to me. And you can find in someone that you know has potential strength where you have weakness. That you, you, you know that they're with you and that they're enough somehow. They may not even speak the right answer. But something about them and something about being with them makes this situation more possible so um so very interesting things happen when you trust god and i'm i'm, I'm coming into the home searching very interesting things happen when you trust god miraculous things I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a second david in this situation was down here surrounded by philistines and their plan what they did in those days when they captured a champion like that was to take him back to their hometown and just make a show out of him they, they weren't gonna kill him right away they just and all of this is in david's mind and he's down there in this place that he's walked himself errantly never should have ran toward that situation but that's what fear gets you to do just something irrational that doesn't make sense and, and more harmful than even where you are and so he runs down here and he's in this situation and he doesn't know what to do he can't run he can't hide he can't fight he can't do anything and he goes on the inside this is this he goes on the inside right there in their faces they don't know what's happening inside he's saying god i trust you with this one 
How did God tell him to get out of that? Snatch one of their swords real quick and no, but it's a whole right to he ain't paying attention, take off and run. No, 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 no. God said, act like you done lost your mind. <laughs> Literally, that's what the Bible says. Bible says, King James says he feigned mad. He went crazy. He acted, look, he said, God said, act like you lost your mind. So, Satan the Lord rebuked him. No, it's me. Act like you lost your mind. Trust me on this one. Remember, that's, why, that's, that's what you're doing, right? You're trusting me. I have an outlook on this situation that you don't have. He said, act like you lost your mind. David starts spitting in his beard. And, ah, I don't know what he did, y'all. But he, whatever it was, it was the miraculous power of God to deliver him out of an impossible situation because he trusted him. My point is, don't look for the logical thing. Don't look for the normal you. I said that earlier. Don't look for the normal or the easy way out. You got to turn away from that thing long enough to trust God and let him talk to you about it. And sometimes he's going to tell you to do something really, really uncommon. And it'll be exactly what you need to do. A few months ago, I had an experience. And um, I I was uh, laying next to my wife in bed. It was nighttime. It was really late. She was sleeping. And uh, my wife is, uh, I, I was running through my mind where all these things, all of this man stuff, how will I provide for this? Um, you know, at, at that time, I believe we were um, trying to get a house and we're running through a whole bunch of obstacles. And God, got my family out here and, you know, looking forward and went and seen the house. All, you know, we're all in this. How do I deal with that? Have relationship issues with, you know, extended relationships that were, that were just seemed like crumbling at the seams. What I, all these things on my mind as a man were just turning over and over. And the longer I thought about, the more afraid I got on the inside. And I asked God something that I didn't know I could ask him to do. He had had me on this journey of trust about six months at this point. And I said, God, my wife is very sensitive. She's, you know, she's sensitive to my presence and to my absence. So, uh, so if, I, if I would have moved in the bed, you know, she'd be, sweet, sweetie, you need anything? Is everything, because it's late. Do you need anything? Is everything okay, you know? So I couldn't move. Um, I wanted to start praying, but she's sensitive to that too. I didn't even, I wouldn't even have to utter a word out of my mouth. I could move my lips and she'd either break out in tongues or ask me, oh, is everything okay? <laughs> I just, I can't do nothing. I, I just, I can't do nothing. I just, <laughs> so I don't want to disturb her because I don't want her in the space that I'm in right here. So I said to God, I said, God, I don't want to wake my wife because I, I don't want, I, I, this is between me and you. I want to say some things that I don't even want her to hear. And so I said, but I can't pray out loud any, either. And I said, I'm going to tell you something else. I don't want my enemy hearing our conversation. I said, I don't want the devil to hear this one. I said, I need you to do something for me. I need you to put a barrier. I'm going to lay right here in this bed, and I'm going to talk to you. But I need you to put a barrier between me and my enemy and shield our conversation from him so that he cannot hear, and I don't wake my wife. As sure as God lives, in that moment, I felt this warm wall of love come up over me, and it just surrounded me and closed at the top, and I knew for a fact that the enemy couldn't hear one word I said. And I laid there on that bed in my tears. And I said everything, y'all. I said it all. 
I said everything I was scared of, everything that had been dogging me, everything that told me that I couldn't get it done, everything that told me I wasn't enough, everything that told me I would never be enough. I said it all to God and he heard it all and he comforted me. I walked around for days in that bubble feeling the comfort of God. And those things I'm telling you right now, to this day, the enemy has no idea what me and God said in that room. And the things that I prayed for are either worked out or working themselves out right now. Fact is, you know more than you've ever learned. Fact is, you're more powerful than your greatest victory. The fact is, you have access to more than you know exists. It's unlocked when you trust God. Whenever that thing comes on you, whenever that thing hits your heart, just stop and say, I trust you, God. I'm telling you, just say that and mean it. I trust you, God. And you will suddenly realize that there's something else happening other than the defeat that you're fearing. say this one last thing. You know the tragedy of not trusting God? Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 3, verse 4. I don't know if I gave you that or not. Don't, don't worry about turning there. It says, what if some should not believe? Would their unbelief make the faith or faithfulness of God in none effect? God forbid. For let God be true and every man a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your sayings and overcome when you're judged. Let me tell you what that really means. What if some don't believe? Shall your unbelief change the faithfulness of God? No way. For God is telling the truth, even when every circumstance and man around him is lying about the truth he's telling. As it is written, when God said something, it turns out exactly how he says it. And when his works are scrutinized, he's always found to be powerful and impeccable. When God says something to you, the, 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 his, his promise is always available. So to not trust him is to miss out on a promise that's right there within your grasp. He's still faithful. God is faithful. I trust God because I can. I can because he's faithful. Let me read you the meditation of the fearless. Fear, the, the fearless. Did I send that? Say this after me. There is no fear nor dread in love. So there will be no fear nor dread in me. That's because your perfect love is in me. I am born from perfect love. Your perfect love casts out all my fear. Therefore, I will do nothing because of fear. And I will refrain from nothing because of fear. I will do what I do because of your love. Jesus, your love sustains me and is the cause of my courage. Whenever I am afraid, whenever I am afraid, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Father, thank you for this moment in your presence. Thank you for every heart that you've tuned into this space right here. pray that you would take each one of us, God, by the hand on a journey that leads to a deeper and richer trust in you, where we become closer, 
where we have the courage to confide and say and speak our hearts. Because God, you're not judging us. No, you, you, you have. You got our back, Father. And so I'm praying that everyone in this room would leave their fears for a moment and turn their face towards you and grip your strength and begin to access the things that belong to us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.